0: Uh, good evening, everybody. We have a special announcement before tonight's uh, session of the Curious Creatures uh, podcast. It's Budgie, not in Berlin, but somewhere
1: near Bordeaux. And lol. Yeah, I'm still in Los Angeles. And that brings me to a topic that we could talk about, about Los Angeles. Los Angeles is
0: the album. Los Angeles is also the single featuring uh, LCD sound systems, front man and all round jolly good fellow James Murphy.
1: With the guy who we're going to be talking to, because our guest is none other than Jack Knife Lee, who is uh, one third of our little collective, Lord Tolhurst and Budgie and Jack Knife Lee.
0: Yeah, so without further ado, uh, a very big, warm, curious creature's welcome to Mr. Jack Knife Lee.
2: When I'm with my kids, I don't like, not that I don't like, I don't remember the big moments, you know, let's go to Disneyland or let's go to... Egypt I like being bored and I like what happens after those moments of boredom when when you just start getting a little ridiculous and something happens and that's the stuff you get on a tour bus and that's the stuff that you, happens when you're sitting and it, it records you for a long time
1: hi this is Lowell Tolhurst co-founder of The Cure and this is Budgie Co-founder of
0: The Creatures, Drummer with the Slits, and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome
1: to Curious Creatures. Life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we we drew drew the map.
0: Mr. Jackknife Lee, hooray! (laughs) Could I welcome you to Curious Creatures? This one's just the, the biggest surprise because, because I'm I'm not in Berlin I'm I'm but I'm back in the land where I thought I'd come to retire and I've never been as busy as I am now being back just trying to get get a break from it really trying to get a break from Berlin why
1: is that why are we so
0: busy now <sighs> I think it's because we had uh, we started an album project and um, and then it took us up to Jackknife Studio in Topanga and um, and we thought it was all going to be really quick and it was and then it all went really slow for no good reason that we could think of all outside our, our control and the thing is that it's all you know, coming to a head with its release now and, and, and that album... Is now called Los Angeles, and we're here today to talk to Jack Knife Lee, who has helped and been part of the team. We are the team. Uh, we, it's nice to say that we are a team.
2: Well, that's my that's my job is to is to join teams. I never thought I'd be a joiner of things, you know, but um, I do enjoy teams. I'm I'm lucky in that I don't have to do. I was seeing this today. When I stopped being an artist, um, I realized that I didn't enjoy doing a lot of the stuff that be, that takes you away from the reason why you're doing it in the first place, which is music. And you become, uh, your job becomes something else. And I, I realized I'm not very good at that. And, like, uh, um, and a lot of that is touring and promo and all that stuff. So my, my team joining now is, is always this point has been kind of temporary. you know I, I, um, I get I embed myself in systems and teams for a certain amount of time, and then we start something, finish it, and then that goes and does the other the other stuff, you know, the touring and the promo and all that kind of thing, which, which now takes people two years, I guess, to, you know, from album cycle to, to to the next one. So I miss all that and I just stay in this room where we were, maybe two years ago or three years ago the thing that did stop us momentum was a global pandemic and then generally it seemed that music seemed to take a while to get back up to speed again you know um we were trying to um get some label partners involved and i think everybody was was just um waiting to see what happens music in general because the live the live started to shut down as you know and um i think once the music in, in general uh, just, just it's, it still feels like it's getting to grips with post pandemic life. you know uh, obviously gigging has started again which is great so i think that's the thing that took us a while to figure out
1: and other people to figure out
2: what we were doing but also it's a difficult project for people to get behind you know we have Two drummers and a producer. Yeah, it's not Megan The Stallion and Cardi B. I
1: I was thinking of two turntables and a microphone, but you know that's that's fine. Yeah, I get you.
0: I met you in Berlin. You were you were in the swishest hotel in town.
2: I know. I I I hadn't heard in about 15 years and um last year i started these shows again and the first tour i did was with uh, a woman from mali called Rakia kone and that was like a no 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 budget tour hostels uh, all us and gear in the back of the van i didn't even have a, uh, a, a seat in the van i was sitting on the ground at the back wasn't quite like a splitter, but I was sitting behind the seats. Wow. So it was really no-budget tour, but I loved doing it. Yeah. And then I got a call from Bono, and he doesn't do no-budget tours. So he asked me to if I wanted to be involved in this uh, show that he was putting together, a book show, and I kind of misunderstood the um, the remit or what he was expecting me to do. So I started to to... I got the book and I started to turn it, make underscore of it, uh, for it. And then we realized that we could actually turn this into something more than a book reading. So we did alternate versions of the songs. And then um, the first piece I did was for a song of YouTube's Call I Will Follow. And in the book, he's talking about, you'll know this. Situation very well, and I came. I I know too when you're sitting in a rehearsal room and you're trying, somebody has an idea and they can't really articulate it, and everyone is trying to bash it out, and it causes a lot of tension, frustration, anger, a lot of yelling, maybe some tears, and uh, hopefully a song will appear. So, I decided to try and recreate the fight between the band members. Um, whilst writing I will follow and then that we realised actually there's something in this that's more dramatic than just playing the song is actually you can hear the idea forming and then it turns into a song with a lot of arguments so he's acting out the argument and all that kind of stuff so um, so we, we did that we rehearsed for a while and then we went on tour we did a European and American tour and then did a, a run in Broadway so I met you in Berlin when we did that. And the, uh, the nervousness we all had was um, we were doing Berlin, uh, Paris, Madrid, Naples. But the show is in English. You know, We didn't know if it would translate, you know, the humor and the uh, nuances. Um, but it worked well. And luckily for me, having come off the back of the Rokia tour, which was no budget, I went from no budget to... So, very plush hotels, and you know it was really nice, which I've never experienced before. You know that luxury, but
1: it was good. I had um, had a similar experience taking the my last book to South America. You know they wanted to give me to give like an hour's talk by myself. You know, no nobody interviewing me by myself in uh, Arequipa in Peru and it was sold out like thousand people i thought what the f- am i going to do because you know so i spent like a night two nights in the hotel room like getting everything together and writing things out and that and then when i got on stage i forgot all of it and for like the first 45 seconds i stood there thinking oh my god this is it this is where i'm going to die right here and then i just started speaking and they had translators in the in a little booth at the back Who would translate it from into Spanish and type it in real time over the top of the stage? And it was amazing because it worked and it worked fine. And I'd had Roland bring me some, you know, a drum kit. And I sat up there and I demonstrated a couple of beats to things, you know, just like really just stuff straight off the top of my head. So it it could work. People are engaged with that, just the process, you know, if I could do that, I can do it anything getting out there you know so i'm I like I, I don't really suffer from stage fright i like being out there you know that was probably the the hardest thing so i i can sympathize with getting out there and just doing the book and trying to present it and put present it in the musical way as well you know i don't
2: know many people that could speak like that for 45 minutes or an hour um and and be spontaneous and all that it is a tough thing to do obviously it being bono um nothing is straightforward and it wasn't going to be a him reading from the book you know when he mentioned to me first he said i'm going to do impersonations (laughs) and you know i used to think that's a terrible idea (laughs) but he did it yeah and um we had to cut some bits of the show because it was really dark it was um rupert murdoch oh (laughs) um and it was a whole it was a. It was a, It was like um. And we were thinking of it in terms of hit singles. Like that's the hit single of the show. You know, it was. We were doing. We were doing something, and we had to figure out how to get from one song, where the streets of no name, where he's going to sing, into the song Desire. And then we realized uh, there was a the whole story about Harry Belafonte, and Bob Geldof, and then him right getting money from or getting, um, approval. To go to, to get, he needed approval to go to George Bush to get money for, for AIDS and stuff like that. And then he ended up having a meeting with Rupert Murdoch, and it was, you know, an interesting meeting. Anyway, so he, he recounts the meeting. And I had this underscore that was kind of horrifying. And uh, it was, Bono in early YouTube shows used to this character, McVista, which was like, you know, a, a Faust like thing. Right. So it became there. Anyway, it was, it was, it was kind of outrageous, very glam, a bit camp, scary, very funny. But we just thought this is way and weird. But that was a good one. Then he did, um, he does Pavarotti and then he does, he's very good, uh, he's very good at, at, at voices. But he's a good mimic.
1: Yeah, I know somebody who's very good as a as a mimic. Robert is very good at mimicking uh, everybody in his band. He does good good impersonation of me. I'll give him that. He does he's got it down, you know, but but I've got a good impersonation of him too. Do you want to do a bit? That's a what, whole bit, can of have, worms you just got in there. Me. Well I, uh... <laughs> It involves a lot of, it involves a fair bit of sniffing actually. Like, like When he's gonna say something he wants to, you know, make a point. You, Every time, every time you watch an interview, you'll see it.
0: It's a strange thing that mimic or mimic whatever, but I found the people that I met who had got close, very close to the cure, became. Yeah. Robert Smith.
1: Yeah. Yes, that was a bit of a shock to me. I and mean, I did reflections to her that everybody that I'd known for all these years suddenly their hair had gone skywards and stuff, and they'd started wearing the same kind of jackets, you know, and things. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's...
2: Did Did Robert not get close to Sue and got a bit of that?
0: Uh, did, did, you, you're meaning uh, the, my, one of my ex uh, colleagues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. My yeah. I think there was certainly. Um, um what's the word i don't know it's 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 beyond affection and beyond affectation and and almost like a, a, the mimicry and it was sincere i don't think it was you know um tongue-in-cheek humorous or anything like that it was a, a, a definite kind of uh i want to see what it feels like you know i think Coming on stage with the uh, the early an early version of the Banshees, right? Um, you know, the, well, Lowell was there. You were there that night. When, I was there. Yeah, it was me and Lowell as drums and guitar for the recently split band. I think for one of my favorite clips of Robert, going, you know, slipping away from the identification with Susie and Robert, and where did that metamorphosis take place? But if you see a young Robert Smith playing guitar on uh, Granada television, so it goes. And we're doing right. something like regal zone and we're like a punk thrash yeah. band. And I think Robert didn't need a microphone. You know, there's no way he's going to have a microphone and he's just kind of ambling around stage with an ovation six string electric and, and really making a great uh, reinvention of the guitar parts. You know, for those songs. So, you know, the lad's got talent. Definitely the lad's got talent. It, you do that in bands, don't you? All kind of, you adopt mannerisms and then there becomes, you know, the in phrases, things that happen in the
1: team. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very hard sometimes, I think. I mean, I'm hoping, well, actually, I'm not hoping. I think we already have some uh, little bond mots that connect us because, you know, a lot of people would come on the, tour bus with the cure and wouldn't be able to understand frigging word we were saying to each other because it was always done in little you know like little events that happen on the road little things that happen people's personalities quirks and stuff you know which become i mean i, I get it Jack Knife about being on the road it it's almost it's like we had uh julianne reagan on here a little while ago and she said it's like the most unnatural uh thing for you know groups of people to make all the music together and then travel together all the time for months on end and then come home and and not actually spend any time apart from each other always be on top of each other and both me and Budgie, and i'm imagining you we did that for most of our youth when it's the hardest time as well where you've got the least understanding of what the world is and how to go about it i mean I'm actually looking forward with this with this new album to going out on the road because I, I think it'll be much more civilised and sort of you know uh, yeah so sort of, yeah, the civilized kind of presentation and experience.
0: No innuendo.
1: <laughs> no innuendo, yeah. <laughs> right, yes.
2: I think that's what makes bands so special is you when it, when it works it is great and there's a, there's a, certainly a gang like um, quality to the best bands and you know um, I, 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 they build their own culture and I think that's what's exciting when you when from the outside it looks exclusive and I think your bands both had that and they had a very strong identity
0: that that a lot
2: of other bands didn't quite manage to to get right that, that's what you're looking for in bands. And that's kind of what I'm missing in music nowadays, I think, is that um, group, you know, I think individuals are fine. I mean, records may be individuals a lot, but um, there's a lot of individuals making music, and I guess they make temporary bands, you know, people like me join for a while, but it's not the same because you don't develop your own language. And it's, it, it is like a family. It's a bit, when I'm with my kids, I don't like, not that I don't like, I don't remember the big moments, you know, well, let's go to Disneyland or let's go to yeah. Egypt. I like being bored and I like what happens after those moments of boredom when when you just start getting a little ridiculous and something happens. And That's the stuff you get on the tour bus. and That's the stuff you, when you're sitting in it, it records you for a long time. And yes, it's tough and it is, Ju, uh, Julianne is totally correct, it is an absurd collective and group relying on each other for financially, for creative creativity, for support, you know, and it's just a very unusual dynamic, it's not like being on an oil rig, because that's a constant turnaround of people, this is like four to five people, three people all together, all the time, right. driving each other mad, and having the greatest time of your life together, so it's, it's a very strange dynamic that doesn't, that is dying i think for the most part i can't think of a lot of new bands coming out that have it um i've worked with bands that don't get on very well um and it's a real shame because um finding ways to get over these difficulties and still be creative and still um respect each other is is you know is is really wonderful if you can if you can last the distance, but a lot of people can't
1: actually last the distance now. Yeah, it's like it's like a lesson that you kind of can't learn until you've done it. You know, it's like you can't learn that that it's like okay to keep this thing going to keep it working. and that you you have to be uh, yeah not not like a psychotherapist, but you have to understand people's personalities and people's. Uh, you know, the way that I think about it, and you have to have that respect for it, because without the respect, that nothing works. Um, I mean, when we started with the the Cure, a lot of it was like you know, the, like the gang mentality, like you said. And I'm sure it was like that in the Banshees at, at several points, and it was us against the world, you know. And that works out all right for a while, and then suddenly, you know, you start to look at things and think, well, some parts of the world are not actually that bad. Some parts of the world I like and I'd like to be part of. And when you try and mingle those two things together, then then it becomes difficult because it's like, a, you know, a jilted teenage girlfriend or something. They're like, well, why do you want to hang out with them? When, isn't it enough to be with us? And you know, all that kind of stuff comes in, which is kind of you know, the teenage mentality. It's about how to keep that creative idea and idiom in your soul so that you're not just doing things by rote but it's also how to evolve with that and that's what i really liked about what we've just done because we've all got to that certain part what is it ever it is you know the third act or whatever we're able to take all those lessons from the first two things and go okay we can we can do something with this and make it work and i think that's really the most exciting thing for me that you know four years ago, or whenever we started all this, you know, four years later, here's something that's about to blossom, and it's going to be gigantic, you know, in my mind, it's it's like, going to be enormous, and I think in the right way, though, do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's not premeditated, none of it's premeditated, it just came out that way.
2: Well, it's interesting what you were saying there, I think what happens when you get older is you recognize and learn how to understand your ego and its purposes and um you know when i was younger I, I think i um didn't know how to control it when it was useful and when it wasn't useful it's only you know the last 10 years i've realized actually when you're creating music and communicating with people your ego isn't that helpful i mean it is at some point you do need it and, but it's really not helpful when you're being creative and trying to See, is this idea good? How's this relationship going? You know, is there some agenda re- between? You know, so I think as you get older, you figure that out. But bands are, you know, arguably, are at their peak in their twenties when they're doing the most amount of drinking and drugs. They're at, you know, they're not overthinking things. They're just instinctively working, and um, then they have to deal with all of the fallout that, that happens with that. You know, with with um, that kind of lifestyle and exhaustion. But if you can last through that and still retain that discovery within each other, you know, I, I'm married 30 years this year, so I still find that my wife is still surprising to me. Um, so I don't think I really quite know her yet. Um, and I don't know if I ever will, but that's. I find the same thing happens musically. If you kind of know what somebody else is going to do or think you know, and aren't open for the, for the surprise. I think it's very difficult to maintain that. And then, you know, with Ben's resentment build up and all these kind of things happen. So it's a very difficult relationship. I do understand that, that these things can't exist forever, but um, when, once you get through it, it's it, it, it's wonderful. I mean, I've worked with REM and, and you too, obviously, and they are people that have a, a crazy amount of respect for each other and, um, you know, they've gotten past all those difficulties. Um, and some people can't. I mean, I worked with the cars and they never seem to get over these um, these personal, interpersonal problems, you know, which is sad because if you can't keep it together, it's really a wonderful thing.
0: thought you were going to say they can't get over the caricatures they created. <laughs> uh,
2: well, that is, a, that's a big part of it too. That is a big part of it. I mean, strangely, that, the, you know, the reason why... Um, Bonner took, did the book, sh- book tour was because he when you get famous you do become a caricature and there's not much you can do about it but he did want to just you know change the conversation on that one and I think he managed to do that but well, I think you're probably finding you're both well I know you've written two books and um, but you're in, in the middle of one I imagine at the end of it you um, have come to terms with your, your story and who you are now and, you know, you make peace with it. It's great to hear people writing books and, uh, you know, processing their life through it. And, um, and it seems to make peace with it. and, you know, prevent these caricatures existing or to be the final voice.
0: writer of your own uh, memoir sometime.
2: No, I, I I actually can't remember a thing. Do not remember anything. And I can't remember, I have no long-term memory and I've no short-term memory. Um, I used to be very nervous about that when I started working in studios, Like people would come to me, fans would come to me, and expect me to say, this is what we're going to do, because this is what I usually do. And every time I start a new project, I am terrified. Like I listened to our record and this morning on the way to the gym and I cannot remember how we did anything. I don't remember how it, an idea started and part of me was thinking, oh damn, I think I, I texted both of you <laughs> this morning and you know about the next record? Because I was just trying to get my head, is there a possibility of me remembering how we did even one song? Um, so I... Even coming, coming on today, I thought, should I prepare something? And then I thought, well, I don't know what to prepare for. I don't know what to think, what to. Do. So I can't remember anything. So every project is it's like the opposite of Groundhog Day, that movie where I just start the day like I can't remember yesterday. <laughs> so I don't have a system or a process. So it really won't help with any memoir because the mem in memoir might be from remember and I can't
1: remember anything, so um, I'm not going to do it. I think that, um, that, that worked in your favor, though, because like when we started working together, we started, like all of us, from a, a blank slate, no no preconceptions. Like, that was your real stroke of genius there, to show us that we can just be us, and it will be fine, and it will work out fine. Well, like,
2: it's a bit like this. I mean, most people say they can't improvise. You know, that's that's, that's most people's um, take on things. Or when you were talking about when you were in Peru and you had to talk for 45 minutes. Yeah. Most conversations, you're not planning what you're going to say. You're just reacting to the people in the room. as a dialogue or, you know, um, whatever dialogue is for more than two people. Um, but that's pretty much what music should be, can be, is every day you just start talking about something else. And, you know, we, we spent a long time together. I know you guys have spent a long time together. We were never bored and conversation never dried up. So if you just say that speech is music, then you just keep going and you said something
0: recently where it, it, it was almost yes the conversation could be quiet there was silence as well it wasn't like we were uncomfortable in the silence of each, each other but you know we said mm-hmm. i wonder what's i wonder what's going on what's happening next what's what's he doing over there
1: that's also uh the, the benefit of of you know having lived a little longer because that stuff you were saying about ego and that, that's weird, I mean, I've had that conversation with you, Bugie, a lot about how we we work in a field where you know in one way you you know you get the best results by suppressing your ego, but everything about the whole process of it, otherwise is designed to make you wanna exceed your ego and push it further forward, so it's like there's it's a catch twenty two you're not if you use it too much. You're going to destroy everything, and if you don't use it enough, you're just nobody's going to ever see it or hear it. But
2: it is like a superpower, you know. When they in the movie The Incredibles,
1: when the when the baby
2: realizes that it it has superpowers, it's just doing everything. Yeah, and um, I think as you get old, you realize. like people who are great singers or you know virtu uh, virtuoso players, and when they're young, they're just playing fast and you know singing trills and all that kind of stuff. But right it's you just got to know when to pull it out or just hint at it. You don't have to show off. You know, it's a very, it, that's also getting comfortable with yourself and your abilities and, you know, getting out of the way of, of, um, the, the music that you're making. It's not really you. It's, it's you know you're the, you're the uh, conduit of the vessel for the idea. So if, if, if it becomes about you, it's a bit of a weird thing, you know, um, it seems less effective as a noise or a message. I mean, I'm not sure musicians' musicians' job is actual music. Mm. The, the the noise that's made by musicians is the materialization of the job, which is discovery, you know, um, or a cook. I mean, you see with people who really like cooking and then they get a job and they're an executive chef and they're not cooking, they just kind of, I don't know filling out paperwork it's like doctors or musicians you know when when you stop making making music so the job is discovery and um, you know other people have have jobs that don't give them the time to be able to explore or discover things so that's why musicians get paid is to do the it's like I'm not good at finance so when humans get together and decide that the Department of Finance should do our collective finances—you would assume that they will do the job, and that's the same thing with musicians. Is you know, we can't all be musicians, so we, or, or astronauts, so and we uh, a few people can go do it and do some discovery for it, for us, tell us what it's like, come back, and then uh, show us.
0: Curious Creatures is created and presented by Lol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer, Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer, Dan Didier.
1: Executive producer, Mark Cates. Associate producer, Sophie Wild. Digital marketing, Margie Taylor. Art and logo design, Justin Thomas K. Music production, Jack Knife Lee. Curious
0: Creatures is on the web, and you can access us at
1: www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official Twitter at Cure Creatures
0: To find more of the best music podcasts visit doubleelvis.com or follow at doubleelvis on Instagram or at doubleelvis on Twitter
1: Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2023